Hello, and welcome to the Memory Box, where I talk about things that have impacted me over the years. I am your host. And today, oh, today, we are going to be talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. Now, this show, if you haven't seen it yet, how, how have you done that? I don't understand. But if you haven't seen it yet, please, please go watch it. Please watch it. It's so good. It's such a great show with great characters, a great world, just in general go watch it now start us off we should start with the first episode which brings the main players into the game we start with siblings Sokka and Katara out fishing trying to get food for their village and the water tribe and they start to get into an argument because you know being siblings you tend to do that and it gets to the point that Katara, a waterbender, starts losing control of her abilities just a little bit and accidentally unearths the biggest iceberg ever, probably. And inside, unknowingly, is the Avatar, who the invading Fire Nation who's been at war with the rest of the nations for the last hundred years or so, has been trying to find and we cut to see one of the main antagonists Prince Zuko of the Fire Nation seeing the light that has come from the iceberg that has now cracked open revealing the main character Aang the Avatar the last airbender and his pet Appa a giant sky bison that can fly no it makes no sense but is a great yes Yes, it is. And we see Aang become a little bit more accustomed. He gets he gets to have some fun and play with the kids. Everyone's like astounded to see an airbender thinking that they are all dead. Which Aang just kind of takes on the chin because he's only 12. But he's been asleep for a lot longer than that. And they get, they get taken to a Katara and him start bonding a little bit they they go penguin sledding which is basically they hop on penguins and they slide down the snowy tundra and she takes him to this fire nation ship and they go inside since they're kids and they're curious but they accidentally set off a trap which basically shoots a flare into the sky letting any fire nation ship in the era that hey over here <laughs> so they get well spotted very easily by the fire nation led by prince zuko and his uncle iroh who is the chillest man on the planet but i will talk a little bit about those two and the rest of the characters in a little bit now cut to sokka trying to be the man of the village and be prepared for this fire nation invasion which he is sorely not as he's easily just tossed to the side by prince zuko not even using his abilities and this is where we really get a taste of at least a little bit of what bending can do as the firebenders start well doing their thing and shooting fire because that's what they can do and Eventually, it culminates of 
Aang decided to give himself up to the Fire Nation and he leaves with them but being their prisoner and him being you know slippery he's able to easily at least cause some trouble for him he finds his glider which is his staff that he has on him that basically unfolds into a glider which can make him fly and in the meantime we see Katara and Sokka trying to get themselves together and decide that they should go after Aang with their grandmother's blessing and instead of taking the little canoe they were gonna take to chase after a battleship they take Appa so they fly over and soon enough they are on board the ship while Aang is trying to escape and in the midst of fighting Katara is not doing fantastic and neither is Sokka considering Katara can't really do that much waterbending because she's the only waterbender in the southern tribe and Sokka is well <laughs> he's he's an interesting guy he loves his boomerang so in the midst of the fighting Aang gets knocked off the ship and thrown into the water the icy water below but suddenly his eyes start to glow and then he's rocketed up in a pillar of water as Appa and every everyone including Katara and Sokka see as he throws most of the water the firebender troops off the boat as Uncle Iroh and Zuko are astounded as their boat is soon crashed into the icy wall leaving them to watch as Appa flies away with Aang, Katara, and Sokka on his back. And this is where our story begins. And it becomes a tale of growing up, learning, and not suspecting what is obvious. Now, let's talk a little bit about the characters. Let's start with the main kid, Aang. Aang is a very fun and goofy kid. He's 12, so the first few episodes are kind of dedicated to them trying to show around, show them they sh basically, they go around heading up to the North Pole so Aang can learn waterbending, as he has to learn every element in order to defeat the Fire Nation and lay peace to the world. So they have to start with water, because that's the order there is a certain order for every avatar and water is what he has to learn first so they head to the north pole and he he gets very he gets developed over time he's at the start very goofy not at all mature he tries his best and he has a huge crush on Katara from the very outset as he what she was the first thing he woke up to and he was very happy to see because she is a very pretty girl he's fun he's goof goofy but do not underestimate what this kid can do he is much stronger and better than anyone would suspect him to be considering he's 12 and he's the short one of the shortest of the bunch and over time we see him soon begin to learn elements start with water him learning that from Katara and the North Pole we start seeing him learn from 
learning earthbending from an, a new character who I will talk about soon. And we also see him learn firebending, but that will be a little later. Now, for him, it starts he starts to learn soon enough that being the Avatar means being extremely responsible and having the best interest of everyone at heart and trying to be better. So he starts slowly maturing until we see in the final season that he has become a fully realized Avatar, that he is more mature, he's better from everything he's experienced, everything spiritually and physically, and that he has done his job. Now moving on to our next character, Katara, who is basically the token girl of the show. But yeah, she's very, she can be pretty scary. She has, she has problems, of course. And we learn that she has big beef with the Fire Nation because they killed her mother, which in and of itself is really messed up. They killed Sokka and Katara's mom and their dad had to go to war. Basically, that's where we first meet them. But she, she slowly starts, they all start, every character develops into a better person and overall a more well-rounded person. Katara is very uptight. She's very strong-willed, but very maternal, having to take over because of her mom being gone. But she has control issues. I have some problems with her character, and it's that a lot of the time she thinks she's always right and doesn't consider the fact that everyone else has problems, saying that no one else can understand her pain. Meanwhile, her brother is standing literally right next to her, having experienced the same pain, and we learn later on that he can't even remember what his mom looks like. And she is over stating that no one can understand what she's been through, even though for Aang, for example, Aang, in one of the episodes, finds out that his entire people were wiped off the face of the earth, that he is the last airbender, there aren't any more, that they were all killed, and he had to see the skeleton of basically the person who raised him, Monk Gyatso, which the airbenders were all nomads, fun little thing right there, and we find out that Monk Gyatso was basically his guardian, his parent, and Aang had to walk in and see his corpse, pretty much, and he of course freaked out. And But Katara always puts her pain of above everyone else. Though she does get stronger with waterbending, she becomes more and more competent, and soon enough she's able to do things that most master waterbenders can't, including the very, very disgusting form of waterbending called bloodbending. And it's as gross as it sounds, as she soon learns from a crazy old witch lady who puppeteers people to basically kidnap and torture, she can bend the blood in people's bodies, so they basically are her flesh puppets, and it's, the sound design of it is 
very gross, and it's just, it's one of those things that when you see it, you just tighten up in, within yourself, and you just want it to stop. But it's, it's there, it happens, and she is not to be messed with. That's, that's for sure. Now, moving on to Sokka. He is the planner. He thinks of everything. He basically puts every plan they have ever had into motion. He's a lot smarter than, than most people would give him credit for in the universe. In the show's universe, he's a lot smarter than people think. He can think of outside the box. He thinks of solutions that people don't think of. He basically learns how to fight in unconventional ways. And sure, he doesn't have any of the talents and bending abilities that anyone else has, but he has his ground roots of being able to fight, he learns from his mistakes. He's a bit of, miso of a misogynist in the start, like he thinks that women are one way and guys are another, but he very soon realizes that he is very wrong from warrior women who kick his ass. <laughs> and he, he really steps up and becomes the older brother in some cases, really trying to help people understand what they feel and comforting them when they need it but also being a goofball alongside Aang and he may not be good at some things but he really shows that with enough time enough effort and enough learning anyone be can be better anyone can become who they want to be with enough struggling and enough pushing because he goes from a guy who can barely fight to a master of swordsmanship and a general of a battalion as he helps orchestrate a invasion at one point in the show which is later on in the second season I believe or the start of the third now moving on to a character we meet in the second season which is called Earth as this is where Aang has to learn earthbending after we see everything in season one from he's has mastered and figured out waterbending to a good enough degree that he has to move on to Earth now. Now, in one episode, he's in a swamp. They all get involved in the swamp that's very spiritual. They see visions of people. Katara sees her mom, and that was very sad as she breaks down crying in the swamp. Sokka sees Princess Yue we meet in the in season one when they're at the North Pole, and he falls for her, but sadly, because she has tied to the moon, because an e one of the bigger antagonists of the season, Admiral Zhao, kills the moon spirit, causing the waterbenders not to have power anymore and upsetting the spiritual balance, Aang goes on a Avatar-fueled rampage and, in a giant fish form, destroys the invading fire troops and... Admiral Zhao gets sucked into the spirit realm because of his transactions. Well, because the moon spirit had previously given some of her, their power to save Princess Yue, she in turn gives her life and becomes the moon spirit. So Sokka sees her and for a minute thinks she's back, but she's not. But Aang, Aang sees a little girl laughing and a flying boar. And he figures out that although he first thought that his friend Bumi, who yes is over a hundred years old, would be his earthbending teacher and in a town they had previously met him in in season one, 
he figure he finds that the town has sadly been the city has been taken over by the fire nation and he's been imprisoned so it's crap what am i supposed to do so he finds he follows that vision vision's logic and finds Toph, a little blind 12 year old girl who is a master earthbender because she learned from the earthbender progenitors when she was six the badger moles yes they are giant badger moles they are insane and they are huge you can ride them it's amazing and she's reluctant to go with them at first but she soon comes along and becomes a basically a part fourth party member of this main trio and she is my favorite character not only is she wearing green which is my favorite color but she is just a total badass she can do things with earthbending that people don't think of she can see even though she's blind she has like a sonar which basically allows her to see and she rocks anybody who tries to fight her with earthbending she's able to think of things on the fly she's able to read people's she's able to tell if you're lying because of your heart rate she is a the as she proclaims she is the world's greatest earthbender and no one should ever forget that and she is so tough she is so funny and although she has she does do some things that are a bit questionable at times she is my favorite character in the show because she is the best and it shows that although people with disabilities are thought as fragile and not able to do anything even her father who thought of her as nothing but blind a blind fragile little girl she was able to do things that people didn't think was possible and that to me is amazing especially when she creates metal bending now metal bending was thought to be impossible all earthbenders thought that metal bending was impossible that metal was their weakness that we we even see this in one of the first season episodes where we show up to a prison camp on a metal raft in the middle of the ocean where a bunch of earthbenders from a village are being held and we can see they they can't bend the metal but Toph figures out how to do that she figures out how to metal bend and becomes the first metal bender it's amazing and then one of the shots which is one of my favorites in the final few episodes which I will talk about she falls in she kicks down a metal door and these firebending soldiers are like what as they're driving this airship and they're they turn around and like what and they just see this little girl fall into the door and the door surrounds her in armor and then she kicks them out it but at first they try shooting fire at her that doesn't work she is impervious and it's awesome she is so strong and then she crawls on the ceiling which i just gotta say if i was in that perspective i would be scared seeing this little girl suddenly just crawl on the ceiling and then just turn and be able to see me in this like metal shell it's terrifying and she kicks their asses and it's oh it's so cathartic and amazing to see this blind little girl who everyone thinks is the less of the group like the weak link but she's the powerhouse 
She is so awesome. Ah, one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite. Now, now we can't talk about characters without talking about one of the two best characters in the show, and that would be Prince Zuko and his uncle Iroh. Now, starting with Zuko, we see that he has been sent out on this impossible quest by his father, who he disrespected in this war meeting that he wanted to be a part of and that his uncle came with him because why not we see that during what was in their culture a called an agni kai which is a firebender's duel his father lord ozai the fire lord and leader of the fire nation burned his face Half of his face has a huge burned scar, and he is very, very sensitive about that, and he's trying to gain his honor back throughout the show, as he puts it, that this is the only way that he can get his honor back. But he soon learns that that's not it, and he soon becomes, slowly becomes a better person. We see... In one episode where Aang gets captured by Admiral Zhao, that Zuko, although with ulterior motives to have Aang for himself, dresses up as a spirit called the Blue Spirit. He has a whole mask and basically ninjas himself into the complex and helps Aang escape. And he is a top-tier ninja. Throughout the show, we see him sneaking around and doing ninja things and it's amazing he creates a literal straw man to trick people sometimes he's able to figure out what to do in any given situation silent takedowns he's a master swordsman with dual swords he is amazing every single time he has to do ninja things he does them extremely well except for one episode he does get caught but in the end, it works out, so I'm still going to give him a ninja grade of A, because he does fantastic, and basically does everything. If you haven't seen the video of people analyzing Zuko as a ninja, go watch it, because it does a better job explaining of how good of a ninja he is, because all the times he becomes a ninja... Throughout the show, when he has to do sneaky stuff, he does it at top-tier levels. It's awesome. Now, to the best character in the show, Uncle Iroh. Now, this old man is great. He is the wisest, most peaceful person in the show and we see that throughout he just tries to help people he isn't a warmonger like you would think being from the fire nation and we see that's how zuko was at first as well but zuko is redeemed and becomes the team he actually teaches ang firebending as we see but back to iroh Iroh, if you don't listen to Iroh's wisdom, what are you doing? 
he is so good and although Zuko did betray him at one point and to get his quote-unquote honor back but in the end Iroh forgave him he told him that he was worried he wasn't upset or angry he was just worried he lost his way and although Zuko did say he did Iroh was proud to say that he found it again and you have to think what led a man who was supposed to be from this warmongering nation this nation of conquerors to become this peaceful sweet and kind man and we see that in one of the shows, second season episodes known as tales of bossing say now throughout the it's just a collection of shorts showing each of the characters in the city earth kingdom city capital called bossing say we see them but all having a just day we see ang helping animals in a zoo we see Sokka get into this poetry rap battle with these earth kingdom ladies we see toph and katara have a spa day it's very nice but then we get to the tale of bossing say iroh episode now throughout the episode it's just iroh being himself going around he's helping people he helps a crying child feel better playing guitar and although he yanks his beard he still just chuckles and laughs he helps a mugger be a better person and think on his feet and just to stop mugging people and at the end we see him he's going to buying things and soon we see that he goes outside the city onto this hill with a tree and he's setting these things up and all of a sudden he pulls out this picture of the sun and he places it and then he starts to cry and say i'm so sorry my son i wish i could have helped you because his son died in the war and he just couldn't do it anymore he came home and although he, people thought he was a disgrace he just couldn't because he lost his son and you can see that how much that affects him and the song he sings in that episode as the episode closes for that tale if you don't cry you don't have a soul because uh it is so sad just to hear this old man just break down into tears thinking of because it's his son's birthday and that he couldn't have helped him like he did with all these people today Ugh, it just it breaks your heart seeing that and that's why Iroh is the best character in the show now moving on to the villains we had I talked a little bit about Admiral Zhao but he doesn't last very long as he is dispatched and although he's despicable he is basically what you would think of as a as the average Fire Nation commander and leader of their army and military soon we after his failures and we see him getting sucked into the spirit realm because that is a also a very big deal in the show is spirits in general avatars reincarnated over the years the avatars reincarnated every year 
or over the years after the old the old one dies, and we see past avatars. We see the past one known as Avatar Roku. We see him a lot throughout the show, and we see his backstory. But then we meet Princess Azula and her two friends Tai Lee and Mei. Now soon they become a overall antagonist and bigger problem because Azula is basically 10 times worse than Zuko as her fire is not only burns hotter as she shoots blue fire but she is ruthless and willing to kill also she can do a sub bending technique of the fire nation known as lightning bending yes she can shoot lightning from her fingers mm. Luckily, Iroh figured out a technique to redirect lightning, which just shows that he is awesome, and that's why he's called the Dragon of the West. Fun fact right there, if you haven't seen the show. And she is ter legit terrifying. We see her just being the most, just, she's that genius kid in the class that just looks down at everyone because they know they're better. And we can see the, we'll see the effects of that in the season finale when I talk about that. Ty Lee and May, moving on to those two. Now Ty Lee is the very spunky cheerleader kind of girl. She is very just like, ah, my aura is so pink today. Like she is like just very happy-go-lucky. But don't let that fool you into thinking she's helpless. She's able to pressure point people into not only paralyzing them, but she can stop benders from using their powers. So airbenders can't use air and can't use his airbending anymore. Katara can't waterbend. Katara and Toph become the subject of this stunning a lot. Toph would stop air earthbending. She can stun people and it's pretty cool to watch. Mei is a master with knives. She throws knives a lot. She, I don't know how many knives she keeps on her person at any given time, but it seems like she has a lot. Like she just can just materialize them from her sleeves apparently and just throw them at people. She is very skilled with knives and it's pretty damn cool to watch her just stick people to anything because they get caught with the knives on their clothes. And that's rad. <laughs> And finally, the main antagonist, we meet Fire Lord Ozai. Now he has been built up over the entire show as just being terrifying. And he is, he's very scary. He's able, he is ruthless and willing to kill at a moment's notice. Being a firebender, he can do a lot. And also in the last fight of the show, he fights Aang which we get to see that, yeah, he's not messing around. He's willing to kill this kid if it means he can fulfill the Fire Nation's conquering of the entire world. And it just goes to show you that, yeah, he's not messing around. Now let's move on to art direction. The art of this show is fantastic. There's, they do so well with lighting and color. It is such a good looking show that something from it's from the early 2000s which you wouldn't think on at first glance but it still looks fantastic to this day now being as of this recording 2021 it still looks good to this day and that's saying a lot it does so good with an, in terms of animation 
quality and just the way they do movement. Because if you don't know, all the bending is martial based on martial arts. Airbending is based off of more acrobatic kind of style, I believe. Waterbending is Tai Chi. Earthbending is Chugar style Kung Fu. And firebending is based off Northern Shaolin Kung Fu. And it's, mm, it's amazing. If you go and look up videos of those martial arts and compare them to the show, they are extremely accurate. And it's just a glory to watch these characters move when they are doing bending because how bending they are able to control the elements earth fire water and air and seeing them move and do what they do is fantastic it just shows that this world and the avatar are just this big melting pot and it's amazing just to watch all these movements of these martial arts it's why it's partially why i got into martial arts myself because i wanted to do the things they do of course I didn't really think I could shoot fire from my hands or control the air. That would have been cool, but it's not realistic. <laughs> oh, the character designs are very well done there. It it just really brings out the kind of every culture that are that is used in the show for the characters to be based off of. Sokka and the Water Tribe and Katara are all based off kind of the Eskimo kind of look with their igloos and everything being made of snow and ice and that sort of thing and Aang and all them are based off of monks the air, air nomads I mean are based off monks and Toph and the Earth Kingdom are based kind of off more Chinese kind of style of things especially with the way their Earth Kingdom symbol looks it's very Chinese-esque at least to me the Fire Nation is kind of more based off of Chinese Japanese styles and architecture it's very interesting to look at and just this world is so brought together very nicely and the designs of the creatures and the houses and the architecture and the homes are very well put together it's very interesting to watch the this just this world from like a distance especially when it comes to the wildlife as the wildlife are basically think of our animals and basically take two of them and just push them together and that's what yet because for example one in one episode in season one we meet momo which is basically a lemur bat yes it's a lemur that can fly that is a bat no it doesn't make sense but it's amazing so mm. <laughs> and we see this over time we see all these animals throughout the show we see giant like koi fish we see basically a giant sea serpent that shoots water it's it's very interesting we see that twice, I believe. And yeah, just everything that's, how it's been put together and all, cinematography is very well done. And just the show in general looks mm, gorgeous. Now moving on to the music. The music itself is very, very good. It's, you, it uses a lot of very traditional instruments for its score a lot of from Asian culture, especially in the opening of the show, which if you haven't heard before, it's the same thing over and over again. It basically introduces you to the show and the world in a very quick sense. And we can see over time, the we just hear over time the score really just go above and beyond what you would expect. And 
it gets to the point where it can either be the most chill and just goofy fun, or it could feel like your your blood is boiling from the sheer intensity of the scene and the music that goes along with it. It's very scene oriented, I believe at least, because of the way it is done and how all the how it all flows together in a way. Now, let's talk about the finale. How about that? Yeah, let's do that. Now, the finale, oh, it has been built up for a long time. We see throughout the show just ups, ebbs, and flows. We see that in season two, everything just goes to shit. It just falls apart. And the season three is kind of like our redemption, especially for Zuko. This is where he is redeemed. And we see things start to look up. But then we find out from Zuko that a comet known as Sozin's Comet is coming. Now the thing is Sozin's Comet is very 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 bad because the Fire Nation draws firebenders rather could draw draw their power mainly from the sun. It's why in an earlier episode in the beginning of season three we see them using an eclipse that we find about in season two which is one of is an episode where they go into this spirit library home to this gigantic knowledge owl who is creepy as hell and we also see the fact that Toph it shows off her how much strength she has because she's able to hold out this library as it sinks but anyway they try to they invade the fire nation during the eclipse which basically means firebenders can't use their powers for a set amount of time as the eclipse is going on. So they tried to do that, but it ultimately fails. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this finale. Now, Sozin's Comet basically acts as their steroids for firebenders. They go from shooting a ton of fire to a butt-ton of fire. Like, too much fire. A ton of fire. A worrying amount of fire to burn lands to a crisp and that's the fire nation's plan is to finish off the earth kingdom once and for all by using these a fleet of airships to basically scorch the land into nothing that's their plan so the plan soon becomes all right we need to stop the airships but we also need but Zuko also needs to deal with Azula and become the new Fire Lord in order to stop the war. And I will get into the scene that is basically known as the final Agni Kai, as that in and of itself is a wonderfully directed scene. So this happens as the plan becomes as the team splits up. Zuko and Katara go to Azula to deal with her, so that way Zuko can defeat her in the Agni Kai and become the new Fire Lord. Aang goes on his own to face Fire Lord Ozai in a one-on-one -on -one battle, and people keep telling him that he, they, he needs to kill him, which he doesn't want to do that because airbenders are naturally a pacifist style of living, so they don't want to kill anybody. And although he asks his past lives what he should do and try to look for a pacifistic solution all of them say he should murder so he has to do with that but he does find a solution i will get into that and then toff Sokka, and one of the warrior ladies they had met and Sokka's girlfriend suki who is another good character but we don't see her that much and there's not much really to talk about surrounding her sadly as she makes very brief appearances 
every so often throughout the show and basically just saying basically being the to women are strong which yeah anyway so they split up to deal with the airships and we'll start with the final Agni Kai because the airship section is just basically Toph, Sokka, and Suki going from the one getting aboard one airship and just wreaking havoc throwing out the crew and then taking control as they wreck as they decide let's just wreck all the airships together in this gigantic heap so that becomes their plan and that works out so let's get into the final Agni Kai Azula versus Zuko now before this we saw Azula soon becoming unraveled she starts going insane as you can see just by her appearance alone she has crazed hair her hair is in this just this mess She's cut a lot of it off. She looks nuts. Something's off about her, as Zuko puts it. And because it is, because she, as being Azula, she has pushed everyone away. Everyone that cared about her, her friends, she put them in jail after they realized they, what Azula was doing was evil, so they tried to stop her. So they, Azula threw her, Tylee, and Mai in jail. She kicks out everybody that, that was under her, and soon she is left in this empty palace by herself, as her father is not giving a shit about her at all, and just has treated, basically has treated her like a tool to use for his conquest. And soon we find her, after she cut her hair, she has having envisions of her mother, which Zuko, we find out through a flashback that she had to do something. Zuko and Azula's mother had to do something in order to protect Zuko. And Azula always thought that her mother hated her, which even the vision, even this schizophrenic vision of her mom says that she loves her but azula can't believe that and breaks the mirror leaving her in this just this horrible state as she's about to be crowned the new fire lord and we can see the fact this is what happens to me what happens to kids who think they're the smartest kid in their school and then they come to college and realize that everyone is just as smart if not smarter than them and they unravel because being the smart kid was their whole identity that's what happens to Azula because she has been called this prodigy she's become this basically this token child of being feared as being so powerful but now that the only person that really she thought cared about her her father pushes her away she starts to unravel and as we can see in the final Agni Kai yeah she's nuts and she is has lost it big time as the fight begins the score is quiet and subdued as we cut to these blasts in the distance as they are both drawing energy as zuko and azula are both drawing energy from sozin's comet these just plumes of fire in the distance zuko in this traditional style has learned to adapt and become better and azula is in this crazed fight way of fighting just throwing everything just blasts and blasts not doing the pinpoint shots she would normally instead just going for this ferocious overly aggressive style of fighting no way of defending just burning everything she can and when zuko knocks her off her feet and she lands to the floor just in this crumpled mess he asks if that if she's had enough and no if she's gonna use any lightning and soon she Oh, you want lightning? I'll show you lightning. And she does. She starts summoning her lightning, but instead of the very controlled manner she did before, it's this tangled mess of these movements. And instead of firing at Zuko because she learned that he could redirect the lightning, 
she fires at Katara, who is standing on the side just in case. And Zuko, being the good person he has become, Block takes the hit and saves Katara from being cooked. So then it becomes Katara running away from Azula as Azula is firing blasts of fire in a crazed manner. But Katara finds a way to come out on top, soon chaining Azula to this grate as she helps Zuko and heals him because waterbenders have the innate ability to heal people with water. And soon they get to their feet and they just look at Azula being in this crazed, horrified state. And it's not, they don't, their look on their faces, faces is not of contempt or of hatred, it's just sad as they watch her thrash about in this chained posture blowing fire from her mouth like a crazy person and then just breaking down into tears as she screams and cries it's haunting and very very sad now as we move on now to ang versus ozai there is one part of this three-part episode that has stood out to me in particular and has very much held something in my heart and it's a memory and this story is one of the most terrifying experiences I've ever had. So I was at the time 10 years old and my parents had left going out to dinner with some family friends for just a few hours. It was me and my siblings. So we are there and I'm just watching these, ep these episodes. I was rewatching the series again and I was watching as it was coming to a close in this climactic way it was and then as I'm watching, I hear my brother, and he's freaking out. He's he's screaming, he's yelling. So, in a panic, I run over to his room, which took me two seconds, literally, because at the time, our rooms were so close together, it took me two steps to get over there. So I ran over, and he's saying he can't breathe. I start freaking out. I start making calls, and it gets to the point that my parents had to rush home with family friends in tow they get they take my brother to the hospital and then i just go back to my room and i sit and then i watch as the fire nation ships start to burn land of the earth kingdom and i remember just being feeling true terror thinking that something horrible was happening to my brother that my brother was going to die and i remember just watching those flames these gigantic burning flames burned this, this land this defenseless land and all i could think was was this what was happening inside of him was this was this the destruction his destruction and luckily those thoughts were wrong he's he's fine he it was just it was pneumonia he came out of it just fine and i'm thankful every day that it wasn't anything worse that he came out of that just fine because Truly, that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my entire life. That I could have lost my brother in that event. But luckily, that didn't happen. Then reminded at the end of him being okay as Aang does find a way for a happier and better solution. As he learns from an ancient island turtle how to energy bend, which basically means he can take away people's bending abilities, and that's what he does to Lord Ozai. He, instead of killing him like he thought he was going to have to do, he takes away his bending and leaves him in nothing more than a heap of, and is he is taken away and put 
in a prison. And at the end of the series, we see the war is put to an end. Our characters we've watched grow and change come together in a tea shop owned by Uncle Iroh in the Earth Kingdom as close out with Aang and Katara getting together at last at this happy, happy scene of all these this found family loving each other and being together as we close. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you next time with whatever I think of next. Have a good night, and if I don't see you again, good morning, good evening, and good night.